Chapter Six of Princess Mary's Gift Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Princess Mary's Gift Book, Chapter Six: The Ant Lion by J. H. Faber my big and little readers look at the picture illustrating this story and tell me what you see first of all a hideous little monster it has six short legs and an enormous body the sign of an insatiable appetite and carries on its head two sharp pointed curved movable horns which open and shut like a savage pair of pincers suppose we were to hear that in a desert island a monster like that but the size of a wolf was just emerging from the thick jungle and making for a traveller for some modern robinson crusoe and that in another moment it would be sticking its tusks into him how thrilling we should find it we should hope that the man whose life was in danger was armed with the most effective weapons which would help him to come victorious out of the contest a twelve-chambered revolver at least to say nothing of a breech-loading rifle and explosive bullets but we must not take unfair advantage of the animal's ugly appearance in order to provoke unnatural excitement for what i am about to tell is history and not a fairy tale proper genuine history i will lose no time in saying that the creature is quite harmless to any of us even the smallest by this i do not mean to suggest that it has not a very fierce and brutal temper only the victims of its bloodthirsty instincts move in a world so tiny that we tread it underfoot unnoticed it is an ogre ever hungering after fresh meat like the famous ogre of your fairy tales you know the one who welcomed hop-o'-my-thumb and his brothers to his house one evening meaning to put them all in a pie like so many pigeons in short just the sort of ogre who makes your blood run cold our little monster then wants its dinner a thing not always easy to find in this world especially for an ogre hunger is gnawing at its inside it must eat or die its usual prey is the ant a good runner whose nimble legs promptly take to flight and baffle the clumsy corpulent hunter's attempts to attack her you might as well tell the tortoise to run and catch the gazelle our ogre possesses no greater agility in comparison with the ant and moreover there is another reason that makes it quite impossible for him to run after anything like the crab he can only really walk backwards 
which is not exactly the way to overtake your quarry when it's in front of you to be fat and heavy to walk backwards and to be obliged to have live ant for one's dinner is a difficult a very difficult problem what would you do in such a case come try to find something rack your brains you can think of nothing well never mind plenty of others including myself could not think of anything either everyday common sense expressed in proverbs tells us over and over again that necessity is the mother of invention this great truth which we have learnt by personal experience we shall learn once more from the ant hunter but first let us give him a name to simplify our story naturalists call him the ant lion a very happy term which reminds us that like the lion he lives by carnage slaughtering live prey in this case ants now that we have christened him we can go on when he wants his dinner the ant lion says to himself you're a fat little beggar you know short-legged and slow-moving you'll never catch ants by running after them on the other hand you can walk backwards that's capital you have a head flattened like a navvy shovel that's first-rate your pincers are long and grip like a knife that's perfect absolutely perfect we'll use that talent for walking backwards we'll use those tools the shovel and tongs we'll make craft take the place of the agility which we lack and the dinner will come along no sooner said than done in a nice dry spot warmed by the sun and sheltered from the rain by an overhanging rock the wily animal selects a place where ants are incessantly moving to and fro on household matters gravely with the mathematical accuracy of an engineer tracing the foundation of a well-planned building the ant-lion walks backwards with his body dug into the sand he turns and turns and in this way hollows out a groove shaped like a perfect circle then still moving backwards and still digging deeper and deeper into the sand he repeats the circuit many times over but gradually coming nearer the centre where he arrives in the end if any obstacle such as a large bit of gravel which would spoil the work makes its appearance the ant-lion takes it on his flat head and with a vigorous jerk of his neck 
flings it to a distance over the edge of the hole we should use a shovel in exactly the same way to throw out the rubbish when digging the result of this labour is a sort of funnel two inches wide and a little less in depth for that matter each ant-lion scoops himself out one proportion to his size the larger ones the giants of the family produce one almost big enough to hold an orange the younger and smaller ones are content with a hollow which a walnut would fill but whether great funnels or modest dents all these cavities are constructed on one and the same principle the slope is very steep and formed of extremely loose sand nothing however light can set foot upon it without producing a landslip followed by a headlong fall when the work is finished the scoundrel buries himself in the sand right at the bottom of the funnel his pincers alone appear outside ever ready to snap but nevertheless hidden as far as possible and now the ant-lion remains completely motionless and waits he waits for hours for days for weeks if necessary for his patience is unequalled he waits for his dinner to come to him as he cannot go after his dinner himself let us do as he does and wait very attentively what will happen see an ant comes trotting along suspecting no harm bringing a little honey in her crop for her mates who are working at a distance just as the good wife on the stroke of noon brings the reaper his midday meal in the fields in her hurry or perhaps in her heedlessness she has not seen the precipice she steps upon it but only just on the edge it makes no difference as soon as her foot is on the perfidious slope the sand gives way and the poor thing is dragged down if our eyes were sharp enough we should see signs of fierce delight betrayed by the formidable jaws at the bottom thank goodness a microscopic bit of straw has interfered with the landslide the fall ends in the middle of the slope and the ant recovering her balance tries to scramble back to the top the sand trickles under her feet no matter she goes to work with so much prudence she so skilfully makes use of the smallest solid support she is so careful to move sideways instead of going straight up the slope that it looks as though the climb ought to be achieved without fresh impediment her knees her delicate feelers seem a tremble with excitement one more effort only a little effort and the thing is done the edge is there close by the ant must reach it alas she does not reach it suddenly from the sky there falls upon the poor wretch thick as hailstones a rain of grains of sand which for the tiny ant is as bad as a regular rain of pebbles who is the brute that takes delight in thus stoning the distressed ant 
who clings in her despair now to this side now to that as best she may so as not to roll to the bottom of the precipice the brute is the ant-lion the ruffian lying in ambush down in his funnel see what he is doing he takes on his flat head a load a shovelful of sand and flings it in the air towards the ant with a sudden quick jerk of the neck like the movement of a spring the shovelfuls follow rapidly one after the other whoosh and whoosh do you want another there's one you don't want another there's one all the same what can the ant do i ask you on the slope of that terrible trap where the ground falls from under her in a rushing torrent while a hail of pebbles dashes down from above in vain she struggles with all the pluck of despair for each step forward she takes three back coming nearer and nearer to the dreadful jaws that are waiting for her at the bottom of the funnel bruised and dazed with the stoning she rolls over and over right into the jaws the jaws seize her and everything disappears under the sand not a trace remains of the recent tragedy peacefully buried in the sand of his lair the ant-lion devours his astutely captured prey when the meal is over there remains a dry carcass which must be thrown away for if left in the funnel it might frighten any game in future and betray the hunter in his ambush a jerk of the shovel that is to say a toss of the flat head flings it outside the hole then the ant-lion repairs the damage done to his trap removes the coarser grains of sand touches up the slopes to make them ready for a new slide he buries himself as i have described and awaits the coming of the next ant that is how the ant-lion secures his dinner and yet there are people who say that animals have no sense End of chapter 6 Recording by Steve Chilvers, Norwich, England